reason you want to glorify God is so that all the world might know that he is the Lord God. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Let's stand, if you will. We're going to ask the blessing on the service this morning, and God's so good to us. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody said, I'm not a cold-weather person. Neither am I, but you know what? It's the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? So we will. Think about it this. If uh, the cold weather's here, uh, stink bugs aren't here. Amen? Praise God. That's worth it. Amen. I'll tell you that. But praise God. Uh, for all. I want to welcome everybody. And welcome those who are coming by way of internet this morning and uh, listening. May God bless you and help you today. Let's pray. Our Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, that it's full and that it's free. Lord, I pray today that, Lord, you'd help us as your children to live a life that would glorify you that would not be dominated by sin and complacency and laziness. And, Lord, that it would, Lord, be one that would proclaim and share the truth that Jesus loves all men. And, Lord, we just ask you today, save that one closest to hell, and, Lord, encourage your children today. Change us as need be, and we'll love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Tony. Page 504 in your hymnal, 504. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. We truly have been blessed. There's no doubt about it. And uh, we praise the Lord for it. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer for the offering this morning. And uh, you give faithfully. Uh, God commands us to give a tithe. That's a tenth. 
of our income, and I know that he has blessed me over the years for trying to be faithful to that, amen? And so we praise God for it. He'll bless you too. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and how about Brother Frankie, if you would please lead us in prayer this morning. Yes. Amen. Page 530, 530, just remain seated, we'll sing all three verses, all three verses.
this morning. Uh, that new song is, I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed. I've been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God for that. Thank you, choir. God bless you. Well, let's stand, if you will. Uh, we're going to put a smile on our face. We're going to sing a chorus, and then we're going to shake hands. Amen. Sing the chorus in my life, Lord. It should be on the back of your bulletin. We'll sing the first verse and shake hands. In my life. 
shake hands. Take your bulletins if you would there, please. And um, we're going to show a short video here in just a moment. And so if the sound booth will get that ready, I appreciate that. But I want to remind you, uh, this evening choir practice at 445. And just briefly after the service this morning, um, if, you can, uh, if you're planning on going on the mission trip or if you're interested in going on the mission trip um, to Honduras next year, meet my office there just after the service. Be praying for a rally in the valley. It's hard to believe that's this Friday. Uh, Brother Steve Pickett will be with us. Um, there's a sign-up sheet down here. For uh, the bridal shower, Rebecca's bridal shower, at 11 o'clock on uh, Saturday. And then anniversary Sunday, next Sunday. Is that, that's next Sunday, hard to believe. Good night. And uh, uh, Brother Steve Pickett will be staying over with us. And uh, so we'll have combined Sunday school up here. And, uh, and then uh, regular AM service and no PM service. And so we'll have all the tables set up, remember that. Um, there's a new safety team schedule. If you haven't picked one up, this is a new, new one, Dan said, so it's a new, new one. Pick up that if you would, please. A lot of things going on in the month of um, uh, February. Please make note of those. Um, if you could, in between the 16th and the 23rd there, um, throw in 221, and I didn't have Meredith add this, but I will. There's a March for Rally Life in Richmond. That's really what this promotion's about, and we'll talk about that a little later. But happy birthday this week to Jesse, Ryan, and Camden, and so happy birthday to you folks. All right, let's show that video, and then we'll have another song in just a moment. Defending Life Day and the Virginia March for Life. And I hope you will too. 
Our elected officials must know that we expect them to pass laws that safeguard all human life. I believe we should keep raising our voices in defense of life and our religious liberty. I want my delegate to know whom she represents, especially the most vulnerable. I want my lawmakers to know that I care about the future of the Commonwealth for my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I would like to see the General Assembly pass laws that support mothers. I want my delegate and senator to know that with proper resources, Turn your hymnal to page 580, 580. Just remain seated. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Sent from the Savior above. we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead there shall be showers of blessing precious reviving again over the hills and the valleys sound of abundance of rain showers of blessing showers of blessing we need Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, so that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Amen. All right, I believe Miss Stephanie's going to sing in just a minute. Right, all right. And so we're good to go, we're good to go. All right, and so if you can go ahead and I'll go ahead while I'm up here. Uh, take your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 30. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. And then um, as soon as the video's done, Miss Stephanie's going to come sing. And then uh, we'll go from there. Action is what it takes for your legislators to understand that you truly do mean business. We don't have as many opportunities as the other side has to communicate through the mass media. We don't have their kind of money. But you know what we do have? I know what we have. 
His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free. His life for mine, His life for mine. How could it ever be that He would die, God's Son would die to save His life for mine. His scars of suffering brought me healing. He spilled his blood to fill my soul. His crown of thorns made me royalty. His sorrow gave me joy untold His life for mine His life for mine How could it ever 
that he would die God's son would die to save a wretch like me what love divine he gave his life for me he was despised and rejected stripped of his garment and oppressed I am loved and accepted and I wear a robe of righteousness his life for mine his life for mine how could it ever that he would die, God's son would die, to save a wretch like me. What love divine he gave his The Lord worked that out, didn't he? And uh, think about how precious my life. And your life was to God. And how precious these little babies' lives are to him. So much so that he gave his life for us. Amen. Thank you, Stephanie. Appreciate that. I hope I can get through this this morning. Y'all pray for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for your many blessings, for your goodness and mercy. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for your love. That great love of God our Father to give His only begotten Son to pay a sin debt that we could never pay. Thank you for the love that you showed the world. Not this planet, but the people on it. To pay our sin debt, not in part, but the whole, as the songwriter said. And I pray that you'd bless this meeting this morning. Thank you how you blessed it already. Thank you for the Sunday school hour and for the singing. And Father, I preach you to give me clarity this morning to preach this message. Give me the power of God, I pray. May the word of God fall on ears that would hear. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to show you that video, just a really short video to promote um, the March for Life uh, in our own state. Now, I think the March for Life is going on or has just recently taken place in D.C., I believe, on a federal level, a national level. But our March for Life in Virginia 
um, is that February 21st, and we'll say more about that, try to put up a sign-up sheet. If anybody's interested in going, that's a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, there's a whole day of events and um, things that'll, that'll go on. I believe it starts at like 7.30 in the morning, the gates open, I mean, there's a rally at 11, um, all kinds of things going on. We'll, we'll update you on all of that and kind of what we're able to do um, on that day and take a bus or take a van or whatever we do. But we need to get involved. And um, so I want to um, read this verse to you this morning and springboard from this. Verse number 19, Deuteronomy chapter number 30, and verse number 19. The Word of God says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live forever. Today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so I believe the Lord's led me to talk about this. And this is a lot of information and um, a lot, a lot of information. But I hope I hope it'll help you. Um, not only now, but in the future. It ought to to help you a great deal in determining how you vote, uh, priorities in our lives, and all of these things. But let me just read you this article. This is an article that um, I read several years ago and saved it. Um, It was written on a Fox News, I think, story, but On May 29th, 2019, the nation's imagination was captivated by a beautiful newborn baby girl called Sabi, who left the hospital weighing five pounds and six ounces. Doctors said she was born in December of 2019, only 23 weeks into her mother's pregnancy, and was just about the size of an apple, weighing less than nine ounces. Picture that in your mind for just a moment, an apple. In your, in your hand. I've held a baby that small in my hands. It was my own. Years ago. When Erica delivered it. And we had to put it in the ground. But it was a life. That God chose to take. To teach us some things. But that's how small this baby was. Weighing less than nine ounces. Her parents were told Sabi. A name used by her care team. Couldn't survive. But Sabi's parents didn't give up hope. Modern medical science, of course, the article says save this baby's life, but we know that God's in control of all of those things. The article says modern modern medical science saved this tiny baby's precious life, and she's now thriving. The San Diego hospital where she was born said Sabi is believed to be the world's smallest surviving newborn. According to the tiniest baby's registry kept by the University of Iowa. Sabi is living proof that science is on the side of the pro-life cause. Amen. Her very survival must raise questions for our nation regarding current law on abortion. Hey, and praise God, Roe versus Wade was overturned. That's a victory. That's a, that's a huge victory on the federal level. But there's a lot of battles within the states, even our own state. And you'll see that here in just a little bit. But it must raise questions, the writer said. The late Supreme Court Justice Harry 
Blackman famously said regarding the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision by the Supreme Court that legalized abortion nationwide. He said, if this suggestion of personhood is established, the appellate's case, of course, collapses. For the fetus, <clears throat> and that's just another word for baby, <clears throat> for the fetus's right to life would then be guaranteed specifically by the amendment. So in other words, listen, they don't want to call it a person. They don't want to call it a life because when you do, that person has rights and they don't want that person to have rights. But of course, in today's technology, there's sonograms, 3D, 4D, high definition. They've settled really the question of when life begins. We know all along, <laughs> life begins at conception. That's what the Bible says. At conception, a child has his own or his own or her own DNA separate and apart from the mother. We can see the baby's beating heart as early as 18 days. At 30 days, the developing little boy or girl has a nervous system. At 12 weeks, the child has fingernails. At 20 weeks, the baby has all the major organs we have along with toenails and eyebrows. The child can sleep, can hear, can respond to the mother's voice, and they can feel pain. Clearly, sweet Sabi was not just a clump of sails, nor was she ever. Sabi was and is a distinct and precious human being with intrinsic value, intrinsic value. Now she has the opportunity to grow up and hopefully live a full life for many years to come. Report, reports say that doctors performed an emergency C-section because Sabi's mother's life was in danger, yet precious Sabi and her mother survived. Sadly, 31 states currently allow an abortion an abortion is to take the life of other babies at the same stage in development as Sabi. Why do the lives of their children not matter? According to abortion advocates, life depends upon the state and mind of the mother, whether the child is wanted. That's a nonsensical argument refuted by science. And it goes on to, to say some other things, but what a great example of that little baby being a life at that small of an, uh, a baby that you can just, as an apple in your hand. And we do praise God that on June 24th of 2022, the Supreme Court overruled the case. In the Supreme Court Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, it was a 50-year precedent that had been set since Roe versus Wade had been established. And um, it was overturned. We praise God for that. But the fight still hasn't stopped. Matter of fact, I think it's intensified. Now, we praise God that on a federal level, we don't have to abide by it anymore because it's been overturned. So it's been really pushed to the states to determine what laws we're going to have on abortion. In our own state, hey, you're going to hear in just a moment, they're, they're, trying to set, they're trying to make a constitutional amendment on the right to abortion in our own state. On the federal level, this is an article that's 
two and a half years old. I read this in May of 2021. But it says the current administration, talking about the, the Biden administration, has funneled nearly 20 times as much taxpayer money to the abortion industry as Barack Obama had at the same time in his presidency. According to an analysis by a leading pro-life organization, and it's not just this administration, listen, this is the pro-choice, listen, it's the pro-choice movements all over the country that's advocating for this. But the current administration, 20 times as much money into the abortion industry than the, than the uh, previous Barack Obama administration. Only four months into his office, President Biden directed almost $500 billion in federal funding to the abortion industry through legislation and executive action. In some cases, bypassing long-standard restrictions that prevented taxpayer dollars from directly paying for abortions. Of that total, $386.7 billion could directly fund abortion, according to the Family Research Council. Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council up there, a Washington-based research organization. With these statistics that we have, and they're, they're, hey, look them up. I'm not just blowing smoke. These are, these are true statistics that's been given. The research has been made. That puts this administration on course to be the most pro-abortion president in U.S. history. I mean, he's for it. The administration's for it. They're for murdering the unborn. They're for funding abortionists. They're for lightening the laws that protect human life. That ought to help you know where you're going to vote. It's not the person. It's not the personality. No, it's, it's the issues on which the Bible stands. All of them's not going to stand where we ought to stand and where they ought to stand, but which one believes closest to the Bible? God help us. Four years, if you look at four years, the previous administration, more was done for the pro-life movement in the Trump administration's four years than eight years under the Bush administration. I mean, the Hyde Amendment, the Helms Amendment, all these things, I mean, they've just been thrown under the bus. These things were to protect taxpayer money from going to abortions in the states and out of the country. But long story short, it's changed. The funding of Planned Parenthood and all these things through this, you, you, you'd be shocked at the amount of money through COVID that went to this garbage on the, or on the wings of COVID, under the umbrella of COVID, went to this. Unbelievable on the federal level. Just last week in our very own beloved state of Virginia, and I hope you love Virginia, on Tuesday, last week, January the 16th, a Senate Privileges and Election Committee met to hear bills that would initiate the process of amending the Virginia State Constitution to enshrine abortion into the state constitution, Bill SJ-1, 
and another bill to redefine the institution of marriage, Bill SJ-11. They want to put it in the, the Constitution of Virginia. Let's just talk about this bill to enshrine abortion in the state constitution, Bill SJ-1. Bill SJ-1 creates a new section in the Virginia Bill of Rights that would declare a right to abortion. Regardless of age, at any point up to the moment of birth for any reason. Did you hear that? It would declare a right to abortion regardless of age at any point up to the moment of birth for any reason and legalize partial birth abortion. The proposed language would sever consequences including eliminating all provisions for parent knowledge or consent prior to a minor undergoing invasive abortion procedures. In other words, the parent don't have to know about it. No matter what age they are, that rule is out the, out the door because it's a constitutional right. Now, that's what it's going to do. It allows sex traffickers to force women and girls to have an abortion. Uh, it conflict, conflicts with statutory rape laws that would open the door to legalize pedophilia. It allows men to claim a fundamental right to impregnate a woman and to deny responsibility to pay child support for their children that they wanted to abort. It's, it's hard to even imagine that people would want to do something like that. But they want to make it a law into the Virginia State Constitution. We don't have time to go into Senate Bill 11. And so this was a, an email that I received from Victoria Cobb. She's president of the Family Foundation. I received it later this week, or excuse me, later last week. In reference to this, she's been keeping us up to date on it. She said, on Tuesday, the Senate Privileges and Elections Committee carried over to the 2025 session. Okay, we're 2024. So they voted this committee, the Senate Privileges and Elections Committee, that brought this up, carried over the 2025 session both of these amendments. Or is it not going to be brought up until 2025? Both SJ11 and SJ1. There are proce there's procedures they're monitoring, uh, but as of right now, she says, these two resolutions will in indeed be carried over to 2025. But the House versions, that's the Senate version, but the House versions of these amendments, which are HJ1 and HJ9, still remain alive. So there's a House version that's still alive of it. The Senate bill's been tabled till next year. But here's what she says. Please know this is all part of their strategy. Carry over to 2025, both amendments, pass bills that force the government to veto, and then talk about the, needed, the need for amendments all year long. It's not over, she says. In the, if, the if the resolution is passed next year, the same exact language would have to be passed again in 2026 following an intervening election of the House of Delegates. And this is the process that has to go through. I mean, they, they get an idea, okay, within the Senate, that idea... Uh, is amended and drafted, is introduced uh, either the House or the Senate, uh, the companion bills, and it's introduced into, then it introduced into both chambers. So that idea comes up. And then they have this first session, okay, to debate this, this amendment. And by the way, the governor can't veto this. 
Okay? So they, they have that first session, and then they have to have, according to law, according to our Virginia Constitution, they, ha- they have to have a, 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 another election before they can have a second session to debate amending the Constitution on these issues. And then finally, if that happens, it comes to the ballot, and we, get, we vote on it. So that's, I guess that's a good thing. So it gives us a little more time. But there is a process. But even to think that people want to introduce a bill that, that would go this far with abortion. It ought to sicken you. It ought to sicken me. And it ought to compel me to do whatever I can to do my part to stop it. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, the Bible says, Listen, I call to heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose, therefore, choose life that both you, excuse me, that both thou and thy seed may live. Just like Israel of old, we as a nation, And as individuals must come to grips with this option and opportunity, if you will, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, choose life. Choose life. I like what the preacher said in the video, let the baby live. Let the baby live. Let the baby live. We have to make the choice. Tragically, As a culture, we've chosen death. As a culture. That's obvious as of the January 22nd, 1973 ruling that will live in infamy. Praise God that's been overturned. We praise God for it. But that's when the floodgates of death were opened up. And we do thank God it was overturned. But there's still much work to be done on the state level to protect the life of the unborn. One commentator and writer said, we can predict these horrible deaths from abortion with chilling accuracy. One human life will be destroyed every 20 seconds in America's abortion clinics and hospitals. Nearly 3,000 innocent people will be murdered in America tomorrow. When added up, that's around 1 million Americans a year that's being murdered in the womb. Over the past 45 years, nearly 60 million have been murdered without mercy in the United States alone. These individuals have had no trial no legal representation, and no opportunity to defend themselves. Yet they've been executed in a cruel, inhumane way. Let that sink in for just a moment. 60 million lives. Gone. Think of the catastrophic disaster where the entire populations of California, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington are all wiped out. The entire civilization wiped out. That's exactly what this is. Exactly what we're talking about. 
One writer says, this is the American Holocaust. And it is the moral outrage that ought to make every Christian in this nation rise up in righteous indignation. When the previous administration, referring to the Trump administration, began talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade and all that was surrounding that, Supreme Court justices and all of those things. That's when the pro-abortion crowd became unhinged, if you remember. That's why they talk about a war on women. That's why Cecil Richards, the former Planned Parenthood director from 2006 to 2018, um, Madonna, Scarlett Johansson, Ashley Judd, and many others, many others, donned their pink hats and screamed at Trump in Congress and conservatives in general. Lewd remarks, terrible language. Matter of fact, Madonna said, I have thought a lot about blowing up the White House, if you remember. Anyway, their big message was at that time, don't mess with Roe versus Wade. That was their message. And that's still their message today. So what I want to do in this message, and I'm not going to have time to finish this, is to, number one, expose the deceptive arguments of the pro-life, or excuse me, pro-abortion crowd. Expose the deceptive arguments. Show the declared truth of the Word of God. And then give some definite things that you and I can do about this immoral madness called abortion. Let me just begin with these deceptive arguments Deceptive arguments in the pro-life abortion, excuse me, the pro-abortion activists. Here's, here's these arguments. Here's their talking points. This is the things they use to say, oh, it's, it's okay. This is what we ought to do. This is their argument that is deceptive and that is a lie. Deceptive arguments of the pro-abortion activists. Number one, a fetus is not a baby. That's one of their arguments. That's one of their deceptive arguments. A fetus is not a baby. For example, there are some who say, that's not really a baby while it's in the womb. I like what one writer said. Folks, there's a good Hebrew word for that, and it's hogwash. <laughs> no, it's foolishness. Seriously, it's foolishness. It's absurd. A number of years ago, a group of 60 prominent physicians, which included former presidents of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology for the American Academy of Neurology, met in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and presented a declaration that said, the fetus is not a subhuman species. The embryo is alive human and unique in the very special environmental support required for the state, that stage of human development. Bottom line, they said, the biological facts are absolutely conclusive that the fetus is a living human being. But no, the deceptive argument is a fetus is not a baby. Once again, that's hogwash. 
Yet many are deceived by the terminology used by the abortion activists to refer to the baby in the mother's womb as a fetus. They talk about embryos, products of conception, fetuses. Take the word, the word, just the word fetus, for example. That's a perfectly good, this, this, I read this. There's a, that's a perfectly good Latin word meaning preborn baby. The word fetus. But it's a Latin word which most people do not understand these days. The abortion activists know this and that's why they use the term so that a lot of people know what's going on. It's all part of their great deception. And then there are those who would agree that what is growing in the womb may be a living human being, but claim that it hasn't yet obtained personhood. That don't even make sense to me. And therefore, does not have any human rights until the birth takes place. In other words, if it's in the womb, it is not a person. Some people believe that. One writer said, this reminds me of the Dred Scott case in 1857 when the Supreme Court said that the black man was not protected by the Constitution because a slave was not a person. Think about the stupidity in that. I'm glad we've got some things right now, but that's the same analogy. Another illustration is of Nazi Germany where Hitler and his regime said that the Jew was not a person. The Nazis were shrewd enough to know that before you can enslave and exterminate human beings, the first thing you have to do is depersonalize and dehumanize them, semantically destroy them before you physically destroy them. Make them into something less than human. And that's, that's the deception in all this. They don't want you to think that that's a life. They don't want you to think that it's a human being. And so they use this, this language. A fetus is not a baby. So it's a dangerous argument to say that the preborn creature in the womb is not human. One writer said, it leads down a slippery slope where virtually all human life becomes worthless. Since we have allowed abortion, now the door is open to physician-assisted suicide. Which, by the way, a number of state legislators have passed and others are considering. We need to stop the slide and stand for life. God says choose. Choose life. So one argument is a fetus is not a baby. Here's another argument. What about rape and incest and saving the life of the mother? When you add up abortions due to rape and incest and those to save the mother, the life of the mother, all three of those instances, rape, incest, and saving the life of the mother, all three of those account for less than 4%, 4% of all abortions. How many million babies have we? 4% is because of rape, incest, and the life to save the life of the mother. Less than 4%. One writer says, let's drop the other 96% of the abortions for now and talk about these instances. 
When a pregnant woman's life is in danger and she requires a medical procedure to save her life, which could simultaneously harm her unborn child, there is nothing wrong with going ahead with this procedure as long as no direct harmful action is taken against the child. Listen carefully here, okay? This is not abortion. When a woman is expecting and she has to go in for a procedure to try to save her life, they're not going to take the life of the baby. They're going to take the life of the mother. Sometimes the life of the baby gets taken. But they're not going after the life of that baby. That's not, a, that's not abortion. That's not murdering the, the baby. So there's nothing wrong, the writer says, and I agree. With going ahead with this procedure, as long as there is no direct harmful action is taken against the child. Abortion is wrong because it involves the intentional killing of a child. A life-saving surgery for a woman that is expecting does not involve this intentional action and therefore cannot be considered an abortion even if the unborn child dies as an indirect result of the medical procedure. There's a great deal of emotion attached to this issue of the victims of rape and incest, and rightly so. But are we going to play God in this matter? Are you not going to play God in this matter? Are we going to say that a baby conceived by rape or incest should not live? Wouldn't that be following the wrong with another wrong? Yeah. Makes you think, doesn't it? Let's say a white man raped a 13-year-old African-American girl impregnating her. Should her parents force her to abort that child? If they had, we would not have been blessed by the gospel singer Ethel Waters. If we take that, that approach and that analogy, she was conceived by rape. And what about Ruth? There's a book in our Bible titled Ruth, the book of Ruth. The name of God's not mentioned in the book, but his hand is present all throughout it. What about Ruth, who is named in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ? She descended from a man named Moab. Do you remember Moab? Who was born out of an incestuous relationship. Once again, <laughs> I ask you, are we going to try to play God in this matter? I'm not. So they, they use this question about what about rape? What about incest? What about saving the life of mother? When really, that's not the issue at all. Because totaling up of all the abortions, only 4% deal with these three issues. That's not what it's about at all. What about handicaps, birth defects? When a doctor tells you there's a bad problem and the baby uh, needs to be aborted, that's the best option. Many people have been told that. I'm not sure what they told these folks about little Sabi. But I can only imagine.
Many people have had a doctor tell them that this is not going to work, that this baby probably needs to be considered for an abortion. But a lot of people said they would accept what God gave them. And by, God, by God's grace, children were born healthy and fine and normal in many, many cases. Let's say that there's a mother who has tuberculosis. She has already given birth to four children. One died, one is blind, one is deaf. And a fourth contracted tuber tuberculosis from the mother. Now she's expecting again. Should she abort? Well, if she had, the world would have never had the experience to experience the music of Beethoven. <laughs> Again, I ask you, are we going to play God in this matter? Following the abortionist argument to its logical conclusion, one writer says, do you believe that defective people should be put to death? Be careful how you answer that. Because a lot of us here wouldn't be alive. Every single one of us have a defect. It's a sinking sin nature that we have. And by the way, where do we end that? I mean, what, to what degree, what level? I mean, where do you start that? Where do you end it? Who makes the determination about all that? In Nazi Germany, abortion preceded the killing of handicapped, then the elderly, and finally the Jews, and other so-called undesirables. Once you've started, where do you end? So they have this argument, this deceptive argument about handicaps and birth defects. They have another one. What about poor unwed teens? Another argument they use. Let me give you this scenario. What about the poor expectant unwed teen who is engaged to a man who is not the biological father? Who wants to break it off when he first finds out Wrestling with this thing that his wife was expecting, knowing he's not the father. Should she get an abortion? If she had, Mary would have aborted Jesus. Again, I ask you, you going to play God in this matter? Not me. A few statistics. Over 60% of women who abort their babies are over 20 years old. Old. They're not teens. Most are not unwed teens. Over 40% of all abortions are performed on patients for the second, third, and fourth time. Not, not, just, not just a teen that's made a mistake and is expecting a baby as a teenager. 40% of all abortions performed on patients for the second, third, and fourth time. 40% of them. 76% of women who abort their babies are unmarried. 53% of women who abort their babies have no other children. 
22% of all pregnancies are terminated by abortion, not counting miscarriages. 22% of all pregnancies. Imagine that. That's almost a quarter of all pregnancies. Someone said that makes the womb the most dangerous place for an American. More dangerous than a citizen in the streets of Chicago or for one of our special forces personnel in an ISIS-held territory in the Middle East. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the numbers. I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding. If you can believe it, the womb, we just said, is more dangerous than these places. But if you're an African-American, it's even worse. According to the CDC's report, and this is, this is a report from 2012 showing the breakdown of abortions by ethnicity. And I won't take time to read them to you, but it's worse. And all this goes back to Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger, whom Hillary Clinton, here's what she said, I quote. She said, I admire Margaret Sanger enormously. She told a Planned Parenthood rally back in 2015. This is what she said, her courage, her tenacity, her vision. I admire, I admire her tenacity. I admire her vision. I admire her courage to murder babies. She's not alone. Clinton's not alone in praising her. Several years ago, Margaret Sanger was named one of, the, one of Time's 20 most influential, influential, influential Americans of all time. Go figure that. You wouldn't believe some of the things that some of this research that I've got just on the kind of person she was and how she wanted to destroy the black race. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable the things that, the, I mean, the facts that, that are here on her. Meeting with the KKK. I mean, statements that you, would, you and I would just be terrified at. But yet, listen, uh, it's, it's all a lie. It's all deception. We're almost done. Another, another deceptive argument, and we'll quit with this one. I appreciate your time. Is that doesn't a woman have the right to choose? I mean, we hear that all the time. I mean, it's my body. Doesn't a woman, this is one of their deceptive arguments. Doesn't a woman have the right to choose? What about that baby's right to choose? Doesn't a woman have the right to do what she pleases with her own body? That's what all these marches are about in D.C. and other places about this is my right, my body. I have the right to choose. Well, no, not according to law. You don't. I'm sorry. In most states, it's illegal for women to be a prostitute. It's illegal. You don't have the right to choose that. It's illegal for her to fill her body with illicit drugs. It's illegal for her to get intoxicated with alcohol and drive a vehicle. 
a woman can't do entirely as she chooses. But the argument to end all arguments for the probation crowd is this. A woman has the right to choose. Choose what? Choose to steal? Choose to kidnap? Choose to murder? Mm -mm. In a civilized society, a person does not have the right to do as they please in every case. And it's especially true with regard to to the preborn child in a mother's womb. We're not talking about her body, but a distinctly different person that should be granted full human rights beginning with life. That's the sum of those 60 physicians that quoted that quote earlier that I read. And here's what they say. A human ovum together with a human sperm produces a biologically identifiable human embryo. It has separate and unique genetic information and biological material. Every cell in a woman's body has exactly the same 46 chromosomes and exactly the same genes. Every cell is identical in that way except for the cells in that baby. The baby has a different set of chromosomes and a different set of genes. This is all documented fact. The baby, listen, this baby provides its own nest, the placenta and the umbilical cord. Listen, the baby has its own bloodstream, maybe even a different blood type from the mother. In half the cases, the baby has a different gender. Some of them are born girls and some are born little boys. If we know what gender is today, and we can say that. So we're talking about a guest, one writer said. A baby. Living inside the host, the mother. We're in that line of reasoning on out. Listen to this analogy one writer put down. Let's say a cult member comes into my home to share his heretical propaganda. He's an unwanted guest from the standpoint of his religion. Do I have the right to murder an unwanted guest? Do I? Absolutely not. Same faulty reasoning with abortion. Same faulty reason, no matter how you cut it. I'm just saying, there's deception, deceptional arguments of the pro-abortion activists. You need to know them. I need to know them. And we'll pick this up another time. We'll finish this because it's important. But the, the, the scriptures are the declared truth. God's given us in his word the declared truth on life and on this subject that's so prevalent in our society. God help us to choose, to choose life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, thank you so much for this time. And I know we've been a little longer this morning. But Father, what we're talking about and what we always talk about from the pulpit is, is an urgent matter. 
Father, would you, would you stir our hearts and help us to choose life? And most people here do. There's no question about that. But would you help us to choose where God stands on the matter? And we'll see here in a little bit different time on these, the biblical declarations of these things and some things that we can do to do our part. But Father, we, we thank you for life. We thank you that you're the giver of life, that you're the sustainer of life, that you're the lover of life. And I pray that you would help us to stand where God stands on these issues in our world today regarding this matter of abortion. Thank you for the truth from your word that we'll see a little bit later time on where you stand. That, Father, in Jeremiah, in the Psalms, other places, in, in, in the belly, you, Jeremiah says he was uh, conceived and called Father, help us to realize the precious, the precious value of life and to do our part in every area to stand where God stands on the matter. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's been questioning, been deceived by some of these lies. Father, set their heart and their mind straight. Maybe there's folks here today that, that have never been saved, that's never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the lover of their life. He loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son to pay their sin debt, to pay my sin debt so that they could have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, stir our hearts, stir our minds to thy truth today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me please? And I'm going to ask you, if you would please, just to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And would, you, would you play number 168? Number 168. If you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Uh, the pianist is going to begin to play in just a moment as she finds the song. We're not going to sing this morning. But perhaps God spoke into your heart this morning about you doing more for this matter, about choosing life, getting more educated. And there's some things we'll talk about a little later, but we need to be educated on this truth of where God stands on life. And y'all to get involved. Y'all to do your part. Y'all to vote righteously. I don't know how God's spoken to you. But deal with it this morning. Ask God to re reconfirm that commitment in your heart and life. To choose life. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Listen, the Bible's very, very clear on this gift of eternal life. And how we get it. The Bible says it's the gift of God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God loves you, friend. But he says there's a problem. All men are sinners and that sin must be paid for. It's payment. The, the payment for sin is death, death and hell, separation from God forever in a place called hell, the lake of fire. But the good news is that Jesus died to save you from that penalty. He died to save me from that penalty. And all I have to do is receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Have you called upon the Lord? Have you asked Him to save you? Have you turned from your sin and given your life to God? It's that simple. Maybe you can do that this morning. Preachers here, would you come as we continue to listen to this song? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. 
God, help us to see. God, help us to have thy mind in thy eyes. Father, we thank you for your truth, your precious word. Stir our hearts with it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Listen, don't forget, quick meeting with the mission trip team. If you're planning on going, if you're interested in going in my office, just...